listening to I Might Be Wrong, a podcast hosted by myself, Rich Newnham, and my co-host, Henry Salmon. Welcome back. It's, of course, us again. You know it's us, because you've just clicked the button that says, listen to Rich and Henry, on uh, whatever you're listening to this on, I'm guessing Spotify or maybe some podcatcher. Hello, Henry. How are you? Hello, Rich. Uh, I'm well, and and I was going to say an introduction about the band that we're going to be talking about but then they already know that too because it's kind of in the title of the <laughs> so all this is a bit a bit pointless really isn't it i love how we tease that and people already know exactly what they're about to listen to it's like a big reveal isn't it when <laughs> it's like the emperor's new clothes you can uh, see he's naked whatever yeah where am i going we with know that? we know that our emperor's naked but we we're gonna introduce him anyway <laughs> let's do it who, who are we talking about ridge Oh, we were chatting just before we started this. I can't believe that we haven't done any electronica since probably The Prodigy, which is incredible given the amount of electronica in my influential tastes of past when I was first getting into music. Uh, so yeah, we're doing some electronica and we are going to do Royksop and we're going to do Melody AM because it's an absolutely incredible album. Yeah, it's it's the album, isn't it? It's, it's the one that <laughs> yep. burst them onto the scene and... Um... Yeah, why would you choose anything else? What a classic. Honestly, I mean, we'll come on to this later, but I haven't really listened to lots of their other stuff, uh, despite how much I love Melody AM. Um, but, but we'll come on to that. So, Royksop are Norwegian, and they are an electronic music duo from Trumso, which I only am aware of because I think Liverpool played them in the UEFA Cup in the late 90s. Yeah, don't they? They normally need like different colour footballs up there, don't they? Because the pitch is always snowy. Yeah. So they play with like a pink ball or something. Yeah, it's great. It's awesome. So they are a duo whose names I'm going to try and pronounce, but I'm probably going to butcher. <laughs> so Svein Berge and Torbjorn Brundtland are the two gentlemen who consisted of Royksop. Um, sadly, they called it a day after their 2014 album but they released some good stuff. So Royksop is the Norwegian word for puffball mushrooms, which they've said is sort of partly that and partly the kind of mushroom cloudy evocative thing. That seems to be where it's come from. But an odd, odd fun name, which I only knew because I looked it up about an hour and a half ago because I decided that we'd do this about two hours ago. <laughs> Well, but it is useful because how many people do know the word for puffball in Norwegian? I'm guessing not many. Uh, what's the population of Norway? But a few million, <laughs> I'd guess. Slightly like, less than that, maybe? Yeah. They were introduced by a mutual friend in their early teens and they started experimenting with music a bit. And so a lot of their early inspiration is down to... It's sort of the same as a lot of Icelandic and Scandi bands in that they have this big frozen landscape influential thing going on in their music what's interesting about Royksop is that they do have that frozen massive landscapes thing but they've also got this immense warmth which is a really interesting dichotomy in their sound I was going to say that when you started talking about kind of landscapes and coldness I was going to say actually I quite think the opposite so you're right there is that it's both it's both. Um, there's, there's definitely a lot of warmth, and I wonder whether it's that. It's the Finns that have hygge, isn't it? Not the Norwegians. I bet they've got a word for it, though. It feels like that. It's kind of hygge music, isn't it? It is. It's a. Uh, it's it's definitely a. Well, actually, no. I was going to say it's a winter album, but it's not, is it? Because you can no. put this on in the summer, and 
as you've seen when you went to Glastonbury, which we'll come on to yeah. later, you can sit in a field in the sunshine and watch the sun go down with them. Absolutely. Their style's ambient and laid back, so it sort of suits all sorts of different opportunities for listening. They normally get called chill out, but I always think that's a bit simplistic and doesn't really give them credit for the creativity in their music. It's very dreamlike. It's fairly pop friendly, and I don't use that as an insult. It's more just they use a lot of really great hooks and melodies. Yeah, they do have that style, which is verging on the they're sleepy and you kind of want to just put them in on in the background like they're they're a great band for whacking on when you've got other people in a room and you're all having a chat together because yeah. the music just kind of lifts the room yeah absolutely and i think there are people that think that that's an insult but with the right kind of music it really isn't yeah i agree and i'm not a big fan of electronic music and this is a go-to album if you want some background and you've got mates around, just whack on some rokes up, it's great. Absolutely. What's fascinating is, although in this early album, because obviously this is their first album, they weren't very well known when it was very well known at all when it was released. Since they've released this, they've collaborated with quite a lot of artists, and that's collaborations and remixes. So they've done remixes for Roots Maneuver, for The Streets, for even for Peter Gabriel and Coldplay. So some pretty massive acts have asked them to do do those remixes for them and they've also collaborated with a few not that well-known artists but the one that popped for me was robin with a y she's brilliant but isn't she from scandinavia as well she's swedish yeah yep. so that makes sense and then in terms of their influences you've got i mean it's electronic music so craft worker obviously in there brian eno giorgio morida but there's also Pink Floyd and King Crimson in there, which doesn't really surprise me because they do have quite a psychedelic warmth to their sound, even though it's not guitar-driven. Yeah, I, I, I'd go with you on that. It's not just pure electronica, is it? There's, there's more to it than that. It's Well, you say pure electronica. <laughs> that's, that's a pretty broad-sweeping statement and genre. Um, it's the more thoughtful and creative end of of the genre definitely it's not the edm same beat same melody smashed out for three and a half minutes and then move on to the next track that's what i meant but you just explained it way better than i did <laughs> so how did you come across them i think probably the same way that a lot of people did so there was a t-mobile advert which you may or may not remember with baby faces so it's this cut across various different city views and offices and all this kind of stuff and this baby face keeps popping up in all sorts of different places and Roiksop is the music that sits over the top of it and it's this whole thing of it's just as internet is becoming mobile in the early thousands and T-Mobile were pushing there you want to tell everyone about things here's a way that you can send photos of your children to people that don't really care but will pretend that they do. I don't think I found them through that, but it sounds like the kind of way that a lot of the music at that time was getting into a living room. It was it was advertising. I'd be willing to bet if you went and looked up that advert, you you'd instantly recognise it. It's very memorable. But that advert is how I found this piece of music, and there was that period, probably late nineties, early thousands, where the internet was formed enough that you could go and find those things relatively easily but there wasn't the glut of you just go listen to whatever you want because it's on spotify or whatever type apps out there and so this was 
you'd hear stuff on ads and then you'd go and find out who did it and then you'd have to go to the record shop still to actually get the music and I remember hearing that and immediately going out and trying to buy the album and getting a hold of it like the same week that I first saw the advert and just everything on there started to like it just really clicked with me the whole thing starts and it's the first track on the album the whole thing starts with this electronic chatter and then you've got this keyboard and strings slightly urgent melody and a choral vocal that just winds through the through the song and I loved the way that they layered all that stuff in and there's there's this great mix of this beautiful synthy easygoing music but with this electronic edge to it and this chatter that's going on all the way yeah, it's um, Burt Bacharach on the vocals, apparently. Really? So they've sampled Burt Bacharach in Blue on Blue oh, um, and his buddy okay. Hal David. So that, that do-wah-do bit is um, it's just a sample. I didn't know that. That's a great call. <laughs> Good research, mate. Yeah, I've, I've worked long and hard on that one. That, that took me about just five minutes. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, the things, you've, the things you find out. But it's amazing. Just that little bit of vocal. There's not much to it, but it completely draws you draws you in. Yeah, absolutely, and it holds the whole thing together. It's it's just it's a wonderful, wonderful piece of music. And if it was the only thing they'd ever released, it still would be one of my favourite things. I absolutely love it. Every time I hear it on TV, on the radio, I'm immediately grabbed by it. Yeah, and I'm I'm with you on that. And I think it's almost a a call to arms of everyone listening to this who don't know Royksop. Just get that track and put it in a playlist because you'll come back to it yeah and then the end of so easy rolls into apple which is apparently norwegian for apple and it's this, it's this <laughs> really? wonderful yeah. thing of these two guys and i'm sure it's it's Royksop themselves as a duo talking to each other well one of them's called the other one he's like hello and he starts to say of i'm going to give you some good frequencies He's like, okay. And he lists off these frequencies and he gets to 400 and the other guy goes, 400? Yes, I'm coming over. And then the, <laughs> then the track kicks in. It's it's great. And it makes me chuckle every single time I hear it. My brother actually dropped, I'm going to give you some good frequencies onto a WhatsApp chat the other day. And I just was like, 400, I'm coming over straight away. Like it's that memorable. It's so good. It is brilliant. And the the track that follows is fantastic as well. Oh, the first so two good. tracks are just just great. Well, it's it's really wonderful and upbeat. It's again, it's got this repeating floaty melody that sort of holds everything together, but continues to evolve throughout. And I think that's one of the things that I really started to like about electronic music that I was discovering around this time was that these guys are one of the bands that convinced me that electronica was like good classical music in that you have these melodic hooks that repeat but evolve and then you have other motifs that run throughout a track and it has this ability to move into something a little bit different and new and then come back to the origins of the track again it's this ebb and flow that you get of the music and of the melodies that you you see in classical music that sits in electronica really nicely i you know what i'm with you on that it's a great shout I do think you can get themes and mm-hmm. you can build on those themes and use them and and go very minimalist and then go all out. Well, it's theme variations, isn't it? The, cl- the classical piece of music. It's, a, it's exactly what they do. And I think probably my favourite example of that on this album is Royksop's Night Out. Ah! Which, 
Yeah, there you go. That reaction. I'm so glad. So I'm so glad you said that because I was just thinking out of all the other songs, which which is the one that really gets me. And I was thinking, Rich isn't going to mention Roycesops like that left next, but you, you did. It's my favourite Roycesop track. I love So Easy because it brought me into Roycesop, and it's a very very close second. But Roycesop's Night Out is just an absolutely. Uh, just a stunning piece of music so it starts out i mean i love urgency in my music we know this it has these urgent beats with this kind of bass and synth line that really push that urgency as well and it's this it feels like this storm's building and it's orchestral in the way that some of the heavier brass gets thrown around and it's got menacing vocals and strings and there's there's this lovely scratching thing in there as well like record scratching that you get from old school hip-hop just kind of thrown in it and carefully and delicately and in the right places it's not overly used which you find that can be the way with scratching at times and then three minutes in it all just slows down and winds into this much more relaxed chilled out thing it's very clever isn't it because that's the point where a lot of bands would just keep going and then just end it as a kind of right. a climax but they go no wait a second let's just tone it down a bit right you kind of feel like well okay we've moved into something else but it actually turns out that this is the eye of the storm not not the end to the storm because it sort of takes a breath and then it gets all menacing again and i got a little note in here suggesting that if this was a horror film this is the bit where you'd get a kick of lightning and the killer would be revealed in silhouette <laughs> because all of a sudden it then kicks off again i wouldn't want this to be in a horror film it's uh <laughs> but you know what i mean right yeah yeah i totally get it it's just it shouldn't be in a horror film but I, the way that the music builds is yeah you're, you're on point there but it's that it's that silent moment where it just takes a breath like this almost everything has just died to almost nothing and then it kicks in and it all just builds right back up to this massive finishing crescendo yeah it's, it's bloody long at seven and a half minutes but it doesn't feel like that when you're listening to it no i'm not a big fan of electronic music i don't seek it out often but put this on and that seven minutes just flies by absolutely yeah. brilliant and i think there's another thing we touched on this with doves these guys are a big fan of films and film soundtracks and i think some of their influence comes from that yeah i can believe it i hadn't read that but then i haven't read much on roig's up and so <laughs> but they're, they're definitely um a duo that don't hit the headlines like it's not like oh roig's went out in london and just got drunk and smashed up a place they they're just a very kind of you don't read about them much. I think they're quite focused on the music. I I did have a dig around, looked at interviews, did a bit of reading up on them, and almost everything that you read about them is talking about the music, focused on the music. There doesn't really seem to be much there that's outside of that. They're not a big party band. They're not a band that's like going out looking for trouble, despite the fact that Roycesop's Night Out sounds like a bloody good <laughs> night out to me. Yeah, it does. But yeah, no, they they seem quite focused on the music, which is good because the music's great. I should mention one more track from from this album, which is In Space, which isn't really anything a bit different or special, but it's it's just a wonderful tune that I go back to time and time again. I've got in my notes more of the same, but the same is great. It's got quite a fast-paced drum rhythm. It's a bit weird because it's got quite a kind of gentle, floaty background theme to it but then the drum rhythm's quite quick and it it kind of carries you along but there's this little sense of urgency where the drums do just kind of keep it pattering along it's quite cool 
I think that's why it works. It doesn't get boring because you've always got that something carrying the tune forward. Yeah, yeah. And it evolves. Again, it does the little evolution over time thing that, that continues to keep it interesting. They do that very well. The evolution bit's yeah. the bit that, that hooked me in. But yeah, I mean, the next point I was going to make is beyond Melody AM, my knowledge of Royxop is completely blank. And have you have you just hunted them down for other, other songs? I had a listen to some of the other back catalogue and there were bits and pieces that I recognised, but I'd never really dug in. I think, I think the issue that I have with that kind of 2000-2010 era is that I was discovering so much new stuff from new bands that I sort of forgot about some of the old bands and just didn't go back to them. Which is is sad because I had listened to some of their new stuff and it is it is great. Like there's some really good stuff in there. You mentioned what else is there in our pre chat, which is their most listened to on Spotify's uh, listings at the top, and I like it. It's a it's a good tune. There's also Triumphant, which is the opening track from that album, which which again is great. I just wonder whether I didn't really give it enough time it would have been released at a point in time when i would have gone out and bought an album just knowing who the band were but i didn't and i don't really remember why i didn't yeah junior and senior are pretty good fun as well they talk about the fact they wanted to split their sound they had all these really sort of evolving and separating ideas and so they were like right we're going to write one album that's very club music specific and one album that's more experimental and film tuney and the fear from senior is bloody great. That's really atmospheric. It's funny how a, a lot of bands do that. And sometimes like Smashing Pumpkins, when they did it with Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness, when they had two CDs and mm-hmm. one was the one was the noisy one and one was the more melodic one. And then loads of bands do it. They'll record one album and then they'll record a counter to that album. And I've got an Everclear album who we probably will never talk about because I, I love Ever, Everclear, but they won't appear on here. <laughs> but they have a similar one where they've got this kind of storytelling sense in their albums where they go from album A, which is loud, to album B, which is thoughtful. So yeah, I can totally understand them doing that. I think they just hit a point where they really were enjoying experimenting with sound and they wanted to do a lot of different stuff. And ultimately, it's I think the reason why they ended up breaking up was because they sort of just hit a point where they realised that what they wanted to do didn't really sit under what they thought of as Royksop anymore. And so they were like, right, let's take an opportunity to go off and do other stuff. And again, I don't really know what that other stuff was, but I'm going to go and have a listen. And if I find good stuff, I'll probably tweet it out. Yeah, so in an interview that I was reading about them, they said that their work rate was really slow just because they're so meticulous. Mm -hmm. And... I think that may have hurt their sales and hurt their popularity a bit because there's just such a length of time between album A and album B. They can't just go on that kind of touring album, touring kind of cycle that a lot of bands do really, really well and just build up that critical mass. They just, they released Melody AM and then there was just a pause and then people do forget and you move on to other bands. Yeah, and and ultimately that was at a point in time when you almost needed to have an album out every 18 months to two years to stay relevant. And they were never, they were never enormous. They, they were big ish. I think they're one of those bands where if you played people the top two or three tunes, they'd be like, Oh, Oh yeah, I recognize that. But they wouldn't have necessarily heard the name Royksop. Yeah. 
and especially if you go into the other other albums, I maybe could recognize their music, but I wouldn't know it. Right. And that's the same for me. And actually, this has been a bit of a spur for me to go back and listen to some of those older, older, newer, newer, older albums. I mean, they're from like 2006, so they're old albums. But yeah, it's it's a funny one because they sort of got a bit of cult popularity. One of the things that they, this was the early days of things like YouTube, and they were releasing these really quirky fun videos so there's a video for the track called remind me which is a lovely great song that sort of starts with this positive thing and then kicks in with a lyric that is a bit more wistful of it's only been a week the video is brilliant i sent you a link to this earlier and i'm sure you looked at it and went oh yeah, yeah i remember that because it's it's all animated in the style of an instruction manual and so everything pops up with instructions and like diagrams and things like that of these people moving through their day. But it's it's like living in an IKEA catalog. Yeah, and the videos often don't get much mention. The thing I, I don't understand is some of these videos are quite incredible. And mm-hmm. back in the MTV days where a video would make or break a band, then you could understand how much effort was put into them. But you look at Broikshop and I've never looked at their videos before you mentioned them to me. And th- oh, really? no, ha- yeah, and and they're interesting, and they're quite they're quite well made, but they're not the kind of thing that you just um, you don't bump into them that often. I think the early thousands was still a time when music TV, not necessarily MTV, because they probably moved on to I don't know somebody pranking <laughs> someone, but some of those music video channels were still showing a lot of these things, but stuff like that, and Paulino as well. I remember chatting with people at uni about Paulino and people kind of laughing about how quirky and odd it was. So it's another, I don't like the tune as much. I think Paulino for me is one of the less strong tracks on the album. I don't dislike it, but it's not one that I'm fussed about in that way. But it's got this, again, quirky animated video that starts with animals in a zoo looking sad and like they're missing home. And then it intercuts this with these massive landscapes. And you imagine that, they are thinking about those homes that they've come from. And there's this bit where the main character in this zoo breathes on the glass and writes help onto the glass in in the steamed up glass fronting of this zoo cage. And that this scene runs through of this character, or you, you wonder whether it's this character, but it turns out it's another of the same species from the character kind of running away from helicopters and things like that. And you think it's it being captured, but it turns out it's not, because right at the end there's this moment of hope when the other character appears and they kind of press pause on oh, the glass together. Which is very yeah, cute. That is that is cool. But yeah, again, just fun videos. Yeah. No, that is cool. Moving on to um a completely different side of them, which is their their live music site. Mm. Have you seen them? So, yes, you sort of alluded to this. When we went to Glastonbury together in 2003, they played the other stage. And I think I'd had their album for a year, maybe 18 months at that point, and was very excited to go and see them. You suggest that you don't remember seeing them and you're not sure you did. I didn't. I know I didn't because I know I didn't know the album well enough to consider watching them. Got it. But I don't know where I went. 
and I'd be looking through the the lineup <laughs> of Glastonbury for that year, and I I must have just wandered off somewhere. See that that to me is a sad thing when you're like, oh, I really like that band, and I didn't see them, and I cannot remember who. Like if you miss a band and you saw another <laughs> performance that was spectacular, be like, it's fine, you know, that's just festivals. Festivals, you miss stuff that you want to see because you're seeing someone else. I remember missing St Vincent and David Byrne at End of the Road because I was busy watching John Grant on the other stage there and he was spectacular and I would not swap those two experiences and that's fine but yeah if you don't remember who you were watching that's a little bit less happy see I'm pretty sure if I'm looking at the lineup I must have gone to see David Gray oh. because I do remember I've seen him live David Gray and his wobbly head and, and his wobbly head and I actually I quite like David Gray so um, I'm not gonna be too upset about it but um, yeah in terms of in terms of artistic talent I don't know. It'd be interesting for our listeners to compare and the finer. Of he the was two. definitely a big deal back. Massive. Then. That was like right at the peak of of, or well not the peak, but it was sort of he had because he would have been really big. Two thousand two thousand one was when he first came to to light, and I can't remember the name of the track. Um, uh, it was Babylon. Yeah, it was White Ladder, wasn't it? The album. Yeah, White Ladder. Babylon. <laughs> Wobbly head. Doesn't really help if I do the wobbly head thing, given that we're on an audio podcast. So I went to see them and it was that perfect, I mean, this is always one of my perfect festival slots. I have, there's probably three festival slots I think of as being the best slots. So there's the early afternoon, in the sun, hazy, beautiful, like it's great for kind of acoustic-y folksy music and that kind of stuff when you're just like laid out on the grass and just kind of wafts over you. And there's the late night, absolute high energy banging sets that are like the last thing that you're going to see before you go off and do weird party stuff later in the evening and the third one is that perfect sun going down mid to late evening it's never the headline slot it's like two or three down from the headline normally and they played over that so it's it's they started off and you know it's dusk kind of light and then as the light got more and more dark their light show became more and more impressive awesome and they did have some pretty cool lasers and shit going on but what was really amazing about their live set was i'd never really seen a proper electronic act live i'd seen a lot of djs at clubs and all that kind of stuff but never seen what i consider a proper electronica performance and so maybe naively i had this expectation that would be maybe laptops and maybe some synths but them playing in samples pretty much and I remember being blown away by the energy in their performance so one of them had one of those electronic drum kits that he was just like battering throughout and the other one had like four or five synths set up and they were constantly moving around and they had all this big light show and just the amount of energy that I got from that compared to what I was expecting to get was light years apart from each other. It's funny, isn't it? I, I saw the Chemical Brothers headline Glastonbury once and um, they didn't have anything. They just had a load of decks, but mm-hmm. their heads were moving up and down so quickly and you could just see them on the stage and they were just bouncing around. That Well, and the light show was absolutely bananas, but it just takes something on stage to um, to really get you in the mood. And yeah, if, if they've got a little drum kit or something on stage, then yeah, I totally get that. It was just awesome. I mean, it was, I I think I had assumed that they'd just be playing stuff in because they'd already created all the electronic sounds. So why would you bother 
but of course you're recreating it's like expecting a guitar band to turn up and hit play on their guitar tracks like <laughs> it's such a naive perspective but i just I'd, I'd never seen anything like it so i wasn't sure at all what to expect and it absolutely blew me away and it really set a high standard for what i expect from live electronica now so i think about bands like blank mass and fuck buttons when i see them live the level that they get to is incredible but it's all driven by that live performance of their music would you go to a a gig of theirs like would you would you hunt them down i have seen all of those bands live and they are all fucking brilliant i saw blank mass was one of the last bands uh last bands last performances that i saw live before everything shut down and honestly i was absolutely blown away so good that's such a shame that you kind of hit a high point and then covid just trashes it yeah uh, although i'd rather have that as like one of the last things that i saw before (laughs) before it went to shit true (laughs) something good rather than something bad exactly uh yeah sorry i was just looking at the um the lineup for 2003 and the sugar babes are playing on sunday yeah, you went to see them. <laughs> yes, yeah, pro- probably did. I um, went to see, because they were on the main stage at pretty much the same time as one of the original Sugar Babes who'd released a solo album was playing in the other stage. And I really like, I still maintain that I really like that album. I can't remember her name or the album's name right now, so I might cut this in later when I've done the research. But yeah, I remember you, you went off to see Damien Rice and also caught the Sugar Babes by accident at the same time true yeah that is that is pretty much what happened wow the thing that amazes me about festival lineups is how many of the bands on the smaller stages and it shouldn't amaze me but how many of those bands do make it really big and the number of really interesting artists you just walk straight by because you don't recognize a name and you yeah and you miss out well there's yeah there's that thing of you go to a festival a few years running so this Reading and Leeds in the early thousands when I was a student and we were basically didn't get paid to do bar staffing. We just got to go along to the, the festival and get, get free tickets and then at the end of the road. And I look back at previous festival lineups and you're like, holy crap, they were there and they were on at like two in the afternoon on like the third or fourth stage. And you just, you just can't believe it. It's, it's amazing, but bands have to come from somewhere, right? Yeah, I remember in 2000 at Glastonbury and I went to see, it was the other stage at about like, I don't know, two o'clock in the afternoon mm-hmm. or whatever. And this band called Coldplay walked on to about, about 200 people, literally. It was maybe maybe a thousand. There was, there was not many people there. And Chris Martin was a massive, he was really geeky and really nervous. Was that 99 or 2000? I think it was 2000. Maybe it was 99. Okay. It was... No, yellow. Yellow came out in two thousand. In early summer two thousand. Yeah, so it was pretty much when that happened. Right. But there weren't many people there, and I just remember this random guy from the audience just going, "Who are you? Who are you?" As if they were just a bunch of nobodies. And Chris Martin goes, "Oh, hello. We're Coldplay, by the way," and, and was just not the front man that you expect. Very Chris Martin. Very Chris Martin, <laughs> and. Um, yeah, and then since then they've just gone through the roof. So I saw Coldplay at V2000 and they had been booked in for like a 3pm slot on the other stage at the festival. And of course, once you've locked in those lineups, you can't really shift stuff around because you'll piss off bands that you've booked as 
you know, high up or on the main stage because you'd have to bump someone to move them across. And in between the lineup getting set and the festival happening, Yellow got released. And so there was two thirds of the festival trying to cram to the other stage so that they could watch Coldplay because all of a sudden they got massive. And yeah, it was, it was pretty bizarre. I've seen other things like that as well, where um, Snow Patrol, uh, I bought tickets to see them when we were at Bristol Uni, and the tickets started out in the Louisiana, I think it was, then got bumped to the Anson Rooms, and then from the Anson Rooms, they got bumped to the, the O2 Academy because they released Run in between the gig getting booked and the gig actually happening. So their support act had obviously been booked for... 80 people, 120 people, something like that, in one of the small venues in, in Bristol, well, obviously on a national tour, but a tiny national tour. And I I don't think they had changed the support act. And so these guys were just, they're in front of a crowd of like 3,000 people now looking absolutely petrified. Snow Patrol were delighted because everyone sang along to Run, which is a really sad song, but their lead singer's just got this massive grin on his face because everyone's singing his song back to him. Snow Patrol had ground out for years like they had four albums before that one they properly put in the work yeah they were because i remember seeing a guy in a snow patrol t-shirt in 97 and i'd known about them because they were being played on the evening session and Mm -hmm. i walked past this guy and i was like a snow patrol t-shirt and the guy looked so chuffed he was just like yeah it's a special t-shirt you know who's snow patrol but it was a one-off and you're right they've been they were lurking around for years i love that connection you get with people when somebody's wearing a band t-shirt and it's a band that both of you love and you've never met each other before but you'll get chatting about it anyway it's cool isn't it it's just just awesome like i love that sense of i don't know community that you get around liking certain bands and liking certain music same with anything yeah Yeah, pick pick a hobby you find something you can just gas about it for ages that is true this is a prime example and we can (laughs) and have and we're now recording it and putting it out into the world for you lot to listen to aren't you lucky exactly so yeah cool yeah uh, we normally touch on influences Royks are a bit of a weird one for me because they sort of sit in the middle of a period where I've been discovering electronica so there's a bunch of stuff that I'd listened to before them and a bunch of stuff that I listened to after them. And I think they just were part of shaping my love for electronica rather than necessarily being the starting point for something. Maybe the more chilled outside of it. Yeah, I don't really know where they sit in my catalogue of of music. I think I just have special electronic albums interspersed through my library and there aren't many. There's probably mm-hmm. about five or six. It's really, really, really low on my, my list, but that's one of them. It's just this little kind of lighthouse in a big sea of noise and <laughs> guitars. Um, but it's there. It's a classic. Yeah, it is. It's a great album. Cool. Well, thanks for letting me talk about it. Always, always fun to crack out some of those old classics. I agree with you on the classic. This album totally stands up. It's really good. Yeah. So definitely yeah. worth digging out if you don't know it absolutely all right as always you can find us on twitter instagram facebook all of all of those type of places at i might be wrong uk you can come and find us personally and harass us about any kind of music we always like to hear from people if you have an album that you would love to come on and talk about do get in touch we do like to have guests we haven't for a little while we've got a couple of people that we know are lined up but it's just trying to get the stars to align on myself henry and 
those individuals in a room, you know who you are. So yeah, it will happen. We'll have some more guests on soon enough. Yeah, one day. Good stuff. Absolutely. Thanks, Rich. Well done. Cheers, Henry. It's been fun. See you in a bit. Thank you for listening to another episode of I Might Be Wrong. 